Well, hello there. I believe, I believe that you you can all hear my voice, the sound of my strange accent bumbling along on the airwaves. Um, good evening, everyone. It's a live episode again. There've been a couple of pre-records. Oh no, wait, we did a pre-record last time. No, it was a live one last time, wasn't it? Oh, anyway, oh yeah, it was because we did a page turn of a, an old report. Anyway, we're back for an even more interactive one now. Um, we are going to be talking about the fact we have a new government. We have new ministers to talk about. Oh, golly. Actually, there aren't that many new ministers to talk about, really. It's just one minister to talk about. Um, and generally, a bit of a discussion about what's next for Ucarail. Before we do that, though, um, before we get into it, we need to have a... Well, I mean, yes, as I say, uh, a new prime minister. Prime Minister Liz Truss of Pork Markets fame. What a... Strange and bizarre. We are on the weirdest timeline, folks. Very, very strange. Um, we shall be uh, getting into all of that, but there's going to be a big old pile of news to get through to start with uh, to just kind of bring us up to speed, including some guest-edited news from uh, uh, our, our correspondent in Vienna. Um, it, yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just get into it, shall we? Um, everyone, welcome to tonight's Rail Matter. <laughs> fades away, I realise that the sound is not coming through my earphones, it's coming through my actual speakers, which is something I can fix <laughs> right now. Uh, so that might have, the, the intro might have sounded a bit weird there. There we are. Beautiful. How's that? Still a bit strange. Anyway, um, uh, also I need to get rid of my, uh, get rid of my Get rid of my mouse as well, because we're in we're in game stream mode. We don't want to be in game stream mode. Um, before we do any of that, I need to dig my Wacom out. Good grief, dust this thing off. I haven't been in here for a while. There's a pile of oatcakes in the way. Um, the Wacom is coming out because, well, there's going to be need lots to scribble on, but also because we've got the COVID stats. We haven't looked at the COVID stats for a while. Um, uh, here they are zoomed in. When was the last, we, last, we last looked at them probably about here, didn't we? Maybe even a bit further back. Well... We've seen that post strike, or post first week of strike, they've climbed. Um, you can see that the first first week of strikes there. Um, I need to add in the next load of strikes because I think we've got. I think the, the next session of strikes would be when was that? Uh, actually, I'm not sure. In any case, we've got um, we've got kind of these 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 two troughs here and here. Who's in the chat? Who can um, point out the? Uh, who can? Point out the uh, remind me exactly what's here. I'll, I'll go back and look it up and add some more yellow dots to, to kind of point out when the strikes have been. But um, you can see we've got these. You know, the, the rail. Despite the fact that we are running an enormously reduced service, you know, like in some cases it's a sixty percent timetable. Um, there, you know, you look to Avanti and they are running even less than that if you count kind of some of the peak kind of key uh, train services running. It's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. Uh, just reminding myself as well. You, this is you get the good stuff here um, uh, in on, in, uh, in in listening to Rail Matter is that I click the old uh, "We Are Live" and then pin that tweet. There we go. Uh, marvelous. Done. Done. It's done. Um, yeah. So 
the, the key thing, I think the key thing um, is that we're just bouncing around, uh, heading, we're between 95 and, so when we're kind of sitting, when there isn't disruption, when there isn't a reason for the disruption, of which there's a lot of disruption at the moment, the, the, the kind of the, the normal position is between 95 and 100% at this point. Between 95, and that's that's on average. So that's 95 to 100%. And it's funny, I often hear people going, oh yeah, but it's less on other, it's 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 a lot less on, on other routes. It's like, yes, that means it's a lot more on a load of other routes. If London, which is, you know, the high density network is accounting for, the, the you know, is, is, is running more empty, then that requires an enormous amount of, bearing in mind how much of the, of the overall ridership, how many journeys on average are happening on the, on the, the kind of the uh, network southeast uh, kind of area, just kind of London and its surrounds. For the rest of the network, which has a substantially lower density of services, to be realising a hundred percent of pre of pre COVID ridership means that trains are enormously full outside of London, on average. There are a few that are not. There are a few trains here and there that people every anecdotally send me. Oh well, that one's still pretty quiet. But on average, services outside of London are rammed, and we're running a rubbish service. It's just bonkers for anyone to suggest anything other than there is an enormous latent demand for rail travel and we need to fulfill it as quickly as possible. So this idea that the rail industry needs to shrink is baffling to me. There is absolutely zero basis for it in evidence as far as I can see. You know, the revenue, by the way, is plus or minus 5% of ridership. I have had no one accurately explain to me. OK, there's people saying, oh, well, you know, yields and blah and blah. I've not had anyone explain to me why if revenue is at between 95 and 100%, that means that the industry is making less money. I can under, I would understand if it was something like, you know, the number of tickets only, but we're talking about revenue, which means that's the total cash arriving and landing on the, the laps of the industry. I, it's just, yeah, I, I, seriously, seriously uh, strange situation where a lot of propaganda is being used to cut an industry and a lot of people paid a lot of money are just repeating these, this nonsense. Very, very worrying. Let's uh, let's have a look at the bigger picture. Um, uh, so this is this is this is when I say bigger picture, I mean like since the start of the pandemic. So you can see, you know, the first year we had um, uh, a return to almost, you know, a return to ninety percent, then it, then the drop off, a return to ninety percent. And there, sorry, uh, not a return to 90% at all. It returned, uh, we got to 40% and then it dropped away. We got up to 75% and then it dropped away again uh, over the, in, in the spring of, of, uh, of 2020, or kind of in the, at the end of 2021. And then since the end of 2021, we've just seen a general rise. And we're going to see, oh, if, if you kind of follow that trend, it, we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be reaching the 100% mark by the end of the year consistently, right? Uh, it's a big number. When we see the hundred percent, that'll be a big number because it'll be very difficult then for people to, you know, if it continues to consistently rise, which I hope it does. I hope it doesn't. We don't see. There's a potential that you could you could look at that and see that it's actually a, a curved uh, trend line and it's it's decreasing again. Um, so we'll see. We'll we'll see. There there are various projections you could look at, kind of following this annual trend to see whether it continues to rise or whether it tails off again before the end of the year. But I have to keep reminding people that we're running a reduced service. So anyway, that's uh, that's the big picture. Um, interesting stuff. Let us move on to Die Bahnnate Nachrichten. We are it's 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 guest edited um, German news. So the German news. Let's go. Let's go with the German news. Um, 
so uh, firstly, uh, yes, Nightjet Two Electric Boogaloo, the the new um, high speed ish uh, Austrian kind of multiple unit sleeper trains. These look very very tasty. There's loads of pictures. C sixty one and loads of other people have kind of uh, relayed the 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 fact that there's these fantastic um, trains running. You know, they just they just look very nice. They, the, the introduction to service was delayed, but these are kind of a kind of a fundamental. Uh, the first route is is going to be Vienna Venice, which is very nice. Um, but we're looking at you know Dutch certification. Um, for me, it's like if they can run Brussels, you know, when they run run the if they start running the faster Brussels services, that'll be very exciting. So, you know, sleeper trains. The, the journey that I did. Oh, let's get my. Shall I get my miniaturized face up in the corner? I'm here. Look, I'm wearing my usual train spotter t-shirt. Isn't that nice? Uh, you'll see me in big face when I, when when we have the discussion at the end. Once we've hammered through the news, I'm going to try and get the news done by half past. We've got 21 minutes. Let's see how we can do. So, um, uh, this is very exciting, and the, 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 there's lots of interesting stuff. One of the particularly interesting things is these like the kind of the mini mini sleeper units that are a bit like those Japanese hotels that are just like uh, a bed with a pod around it. Uh, they're they're pretty nice. I, I'm I'm liking the very much liking the uh, the the look of those. Um, oh, the fact that I have work stuff on my phone is incredibly annoying because at this point where I want to just access my phone it's wanting a password fan dabby does it, it's not happening if someone's trying to message me about something important it's got to wait till the end of rail matter um, so that's exciting uh, the, the journey that I just did across Europe would be massively helped by some of these uh, sleeper services it must be said um, let us let us continue so uh, that's very nice Oh, of course. Yeah, we, we have to. So that's some exciting news to start. But let's let's talk about some sad news. Uh, the uh, uh, nine euro uh, ticket uh, is um, the, the nine euro uh, train ticket scheme has been binned. It's done. It's finished. Um, uh, there's some very interesting statistics. There's a nice Guardian piece, actually, that kind of drills into them. That's worth a, a read. And there are a few others as well. Heute and, and a couple of others have, have picked up the data. Um, so things like, firstly, uh, nearly two million tons of, uh, of co2 saved over a pretty short period that that's fairly sizable it's a big old sizable chunk of uh, co2 emissions um bearing in mind that hs2 this is this is a good thing for people to kind of bear in mind when people talk about hs2's uh, hs2's total uh, construction emissions uh, it's 14 uh, million uh, tons of co2 uh, equivalent right uh the nine euro uh ticket uh, saved two million. So that's just with, that was over a period of what six months? No, not even that. It was like three months. It was a short trial, right? And it saved two million tons of CO two. So this is this is like absolutely critical to the point that I, that I have to make to people when I talk about the. You cannot look just at construction emissions. You have to. You have to uh, think about the bigger picture. Um, absolutely critical. Oh, there's an interesting point here. Um, we'll get onto onto. We're, we're remaining with the Germanosphere at the moment, but um, no, I did not hear that Dutch railway strikes uh, had succeeded. Uh, solidarity to Dutch railway strikers, absolutely. Um, so, what else have we got in the news? Well, actually, there's more to talk about the, the non-euro ticket because, um, yeah, uh, ZDF uh, just just kind of commemorated it nicely. Um, F. And goodbye, goodbye to the nine euro ticket. Um, oh yeah, it was three months. Three months, two million tons of CO two saved. Uh, One point eight million, pretty spectacular. Um, we miss you. 
your your four million friends. Oh yeah, the other point was that um, a fifth of the fifty two million tickets sold as uh, part of the scheme were bought by people who did not ordinarily use public transport, and I think that'll be picked up in the next um, uh, in the next slide here, which the FT kind of d dug into the data as well. Um, actually, this FT article is also good because it's got some nice data visualization. Um, so you can see the introduction of the, of the nine euro ticket and an enormous and rapid increase. You know, up to here, this huge increase in um, in the number, you know, the percentage change. Basically, it, it, it saw a near doubling of rail usage as a result of the, the introduction of this ticket. A near doubling of rail usage, which is indicative of what happens and how much of a pull uh, reduced rail fares can be. Britain should be doing this immediately. There are problems, of course. Germany had some of these problems too, but we've, we would have them more acutely, which is if you introduced a fixed low fare like this, uh, Britain's railways are already chronically full. <laughs> so... Um, there's no space to accommodate 100% more passengers. So, yeah, much as I think we should be reducing rail fares, you can't, we couldn't do it overnight because it would be, you'd just see dangerous levels of overcrowding. But uh, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it. We should not be, we should be policy planning around it. A lot of people were like, I've seen rhetoric saying, oh, well, it didn't really reduce road much. Look at that. Well, the point is that to get a commensurate doubling of, of, of rail uh, usage, it only represents a small percentage reduction in road usage because of how much higher roads modal share is. It's like I say, you know, for, for Britain, where we've got 90% of people and things travel by road, 10% uh, by rail, that means doubling rail only represents reducing road down to 80%. Because, you know, taking 10% from, from road and putting it on rail is only uh, a 10% reduction of... Um, uh, of road, whereas it's a hundred percent increase for rail. So that number that looks smaller for rail. Really, they should have, they, they possibly should have kind of normalised it or, or found some way to represent it more accurately, because that's 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 representative of a sizable reduction in um, in uh, in mode share thanks to this increase in rail. So fab. Um, this is to, to rural areas with high levels of uh, of tourism. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some interesting data in the FT article, and you can just Google it by searching, you know, nine euro ticket, Financial Times. Do it. Anyway, goodbye, nine euro ticket. We barely knew you. Um, sticking with sticking with our, our chums in um, in the Germanosphere, uh, which is definitely not the way to call uh, the, the, the German-speaking parts of the world. But anyway, um, interesting little can, uh, sort of fiddle, fiddles going on in... Um, uh, within Germany, within the kind of as part of their legal framework, we, we've got the Climate Change Act 2008. Uh, Germany has a variety of kind of climate protection laws. One of them is um, one of them is essentially that it is legally mandating the limits that each kind of government department has to has to meet. Each each kind of department has to meet. And of all the the departments that are not succeeding, that transport uh, is 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 one of them. And uh, there's a line, so I, I believe, so there's, there's a graph here and, and the kind of the line, the required reduction uh, to zero is here. Um, the actual projections based on various people are, are these uh, kind of various people's projections are, are up here. And you can see that the, um, the this is this, this means that they're basically they've, they've had their wrists slapped for this. Um, so they've got a gap. Um, this, I'm actually using notes for this 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 news article. I never use notes, but this is they, they have sent them through. And, and uh, folks, if you want to send, if you feel like being an international correspondent for Rail Matter, uh, and you want to just send a few, a, a kind of a little cluster of things that have happened in, uh, that are interesting uh, in recent 
uh, months, then send send them on. You can send them to railnatter at garethdennis.co.uk. Um, email them over to me. That's that's perfectly acceptable. Or, or but uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. So basically, they they tried to suggest. So the, they they created a package to reduce carbon emissions uh, for transport. The government department did, um, and. Um, and it's led by um, is the FDP is kind of like the center liberal party, uh, the Free Democrats. It's kind of like more to the center than the CDU. Uh, it's call me out if I'm getting my German politics kind of not quite right. Maybe they're about CD about where the CDU are. I think they're kind of a bit. They're, they're kind of like you know, Lib, Lib Demi, I, I believe. I might be wrong on that. Uh, shout at me if I'm if I'm wrong on that. Um, I, I uh, I'm behind on the times here. We are. Yeah, market liberals. Yeah, they're kind of the Lib Dems, uh, and like maybe some like, uh, yeah, that, that's what I was kind of um, pitching at. They they kind of Lib Demi, and um, anyway, they are so having put forward this plan. Um, uh, Volker Vissing is the is the guy who's in charge of the department, who's from the FDP because they have you know coalition governments. Um, the package was dismissed by experts. So those projections at the top of the expert project, uh, projections, uh, they're dismissed as insufficient. Uh, various measures, mostly like cycling, working from home, saving. Saving like only fourteen million uh, tons of CO two, leaving a gap of two hundred sixty one million. So, so like saving, not much, not much from, from like the level we're at now. It's gone to here, or maybe at best case to there. And actually, they've still got well, what is that? Two hundred sixty million tons um, by twenty thirty. Um, so they're uh, so the FDP. Uh, they're liberating hard. They are pushing for the aims to be um, to be able to like basically borrow. Borrow from other other departments who are maybe doing better to backfill the fact they're not uh, succeeding, which obviously totally misses the point. Um, but the um, basically they're about to get sued because there wasn't a legally acceptable set of measures, and it's all getting messy and going up to high courts and and just generally being a right old mess. So uh, isn't that wonderful? Good stuff. Good to see that Germany is. Um, um, uh, there is no cheat code for zero carbon transport. It, it's hard. You know the easy stuff does not get you down to zero. You have to do the hard stuff, and that hard stuff is stop people from being able to, to drive. <laughs> that's, it. That's, that's that's it. Reduce the amount of people who drive, and and and, and that requires carrot, and it requires stick. Um, right, hydrogen trains. This is an interesting one because I, I, first when I looked at this um, kind of uh, piece, I was like, oh well, no, this is not news because the island has been running for ages. But no, no, no. This is this is the first time that the fleet is being rolled out as a purchased hydrogen fleet. So they have, the islands have been running for three or four years now, um, but they, you know, in passenger service uh, in Germany. Um, uh, but now they are procuring a whole new fleet. So sort of rather than being a prototype fleet, this is going to be a squadron fleet of like, no, no, we're just getting hydrogen trains, no biggie now. Um, so, yeah, for proper reels this time. Uh, and uh, good, fine, exciting, not hugely wonderful. You know, it's fine. It's zero emissions. It's it's a much, it's a worse replacement. Whether it's actually better than diesel, when you look at the whole big picture, I, 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 I don't know. But it does solve quite a few problems that diesel has, like, you know, the, the actual... Ignore the, the, the CO2 emissions of the whole system, but it gets rid of a lot of the smut, which is obviously good, and, and, and a variety of other things. You know, it, it's certainly clean. It, it does allow you to create a sustainable system, even if it perhaps isn't quite yet. You know, this hydrogen is possibly not generated. Uh, it's, no, I don't think it's green hydrogen yet, but it, it, it has the potential to be. Um, but also you have to be cynical of anything hydrogen because of how much hydrogen lobbying is coming from the fossil fuel industry. So I'm always cynical about hydrogen. I'm always wary of hydrogen. Um, what else? Ah, yeah, that's right. Kind of a bit like a bit off the back of John John and I's discussion about Germany. Um, 
the Swiss industry, the Swiss rail industry is getting increasingly pissed off at Germany's shoddy rail infrastructure and how congested it is. So there's a route, um, there's an upgrade required between Basel and Karlsruhe, uh, which is expected, uh, it's kind of not expected to be completed before like the mid-2040s, which will provide a, a four-track railway, um, uh, allowing increased tonnages and, and, and increased lengths. The Swiss are saying that it's not nearly quick enough. And also there's substantial capacity bottlenecks elsewhere. And they're at the point where they're going to actually just enhance the line through France instead and just bypass Germany altogether. So that's nice, isn't it? Really good that uh, really good that, that kind of key corridor is being held. And I have to say, like, Germany is an issue... I feel like some of the EU attitudes to rail are very much echoed by the the kind of the the, the, German, the fact that the, the Germany, from a policy perspective, dominates a lot of EU elements. Um, I would say that, that that attitude to rail across the EU is, is, is kind of a microcosm within Germany. Germany does some good stuff on rail, sure, but there are so many things that it's behind on. Like, actually, it's it, it, lots of comparison between the UK um, and and Germany on that front, I think. Uh, what else? Ah, yeah, this is this is an interesting one. So uh, you remember from Rail Matter last year, I spotted some platform edge lighting, and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, if it's something that improves safety and just kind of gets people to think a little bit or look down and look at their feet to make sure they're not tripping, great. Um, and so they are rolling. It looks like they are rolling this out on uh, S-Bahn um, platforms, uh, which is kind of cool. So it's it's in. They're trying it out in um, uh, South Cross Sudkreuz. Uh, uh, station in Berlin um, and I think they're intending to kind of roll it out on a, a, a trial basis but yeah so that's interesting um, uh, it's quite you know it's uh, interesting to see see whether this actually sort of works um, yeah so that, that we'll, we'll see um, I, I, it's good to have it in, in service I, we, well, a problem we have in the UK uh, is that we don't trial enough stuff like this you know just trial it just chuck it in trial it as long as it's not, not actively going to be causing harm just get it in trial it try stuff out we never do stuff like that and and kind of on a similar theme um talgo has provided ICE its first or deutsche bahn its first level boarding long distance trains so s-bahn is mostly if not entirely level boarding um regional trains are, are often not uh, and the, the long distance services are absolutely not at all until now and talgo which is the only operator that offers a level boarding solution for 760 height 760 mil height platforms which is the standard european one of the I kind of I'd say probably the most common standard European platform height is 760 millimeters, um, and the the ICL coach as it has been uh, named, I believe it's going to just be added into Deutsche Bahn trains, uh, sorry into ICE trains to provide a, a level boarding solution within their trains. Um, this is exciting. Um, I'm very pleased about this. Um, so oh no, forgive me. This is. I've got no. It's not. They are building the whole lot, um, so they are doing the whole train. Yeah, sorry, forgive me. Talgo doing the whole train. I bet that was controversial with Siemens. Oh, huh. um, in any case, there we go. Um, yeah, ICL. Uh, Talgo were the only manufacturer who bid for it because of the seven sixty millimeters requirement. So Talgo are doing what Stadler are doing in the UK. Talgo are doing across Europe, which is saying, well, okay, none of the other operators are interested in providing level boarding. Okay. We'll take it. We'll do it. Uh, very cool. Um, I'm gutted that I'm not going to Inotrans because I'd love to go and have a look at this um, and, and, and rave about it because uh, this is the future, folks. It really is the future. So uh, absolute kudos to Talgo on that one. Um, 
yeah, very exciting stuff. Uh, where are we? Lots of chat. Uh, sorry, yes, they're fixed set push pull trains. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Xander. I, I I got the wrong end of the stick on that one. It's I don't know why I thought they were inserting one. I I was thinking about something else earlier. They're not inserting it. It's a full push pull set that I presume will have like a uh a, a nice big sort of uh you know one of the I've lost the name. Not a Taurus. What's the other one? The Siemens big Siemens look at the front pulling it. and They'll be very happy. Um. Uh, if anyone wants to learn more about level level boarding, then uh, uh, former crow, for example, you're asking if there's a practical way to retrofit level boarding onto platforms in the UK. You don't need to. Um, go back to my level boarding episode, which um, is I, I, is well worth a watch on the subject of level boarding. Um, let's have a think. Um, yes. Uh, so I'm just going back through. I, I've had some notes up, and now I can go back through and see all the. Uh, uh, all of this, um, all of this, all, all of these red names that have been appearing. Um, uh, the FDP are the only ones in the current government coalition that blocked the speed limit on German autobahns. Oh, yeah, that's the sort. Uh, classic liberal move. Lovely job. Um, uh, pen mark, uh, bigger tech issues, watching small screen, hard to see. Uh, there, there aren't many pen, pen marks, don't worry. Um, yes, right, lovely. Okay, I shall continue. Um... Tracks Vectron is what I was thinking of. Whatever they're going to pull them around with, it'll be a nice big train and it'll it'll look nice. Um, so let us continue. Yeah. So uh, Talga gives IC level boarding, the ICL level boarding, marvelous. Um, meanwhile, on other railways, uh, this is a thread by Mani uh, Barberin, uh, who uh, crutches and spice on Twitter. Um, actually, no, not crutches and spice on Twitter. Imani underscore Barberin on Twitter. Uh, Imani gave us this this. This thread of, of misery, which a lot of people will be familiar with in the UK for, for kind of really miserable accessibility experiences. Um, so basically, just it's a it's a classic thread of of, of misery of, of trying to deal with Amtrak trains, which are already a hopeless mess accessibility wise anyway. But trying to book the, the you know reserving accessible seats and um, you have to reserve the seat now, so change the rules. It's just just excluding more people from from rail travel. Um, and uh, likewise, uh, in the UK, uh, here's the Disability News Service pointing out that um, uh, GTR, Thameslink, have been um, running services without enough staff to comply with the, their current DOO agreement. So it's an interesting one, isn't it? So, so um, driver-controlled operation or, or driver-only operation, but certainly driver-controlled operation is supposed to have staff on hand to be able to help with accessibility issues. It's part of the agreement, part of the deal. And that hasn't been happening, which means that GTR, uh, so that's Govia, Thameslink, uh, but also I think Southern and Great Northern, all, all within this one real kind of train operator. Um, so the, the yeah, they've been breaching the Equality Act uh, for more than a decade. So that's great. Will there be any consequences to this? Absolutely none. None at all. None whatsoever. Um, and indeed, you know, the, all the strike stuff, and we'll get to strikes a little bit more later, but all the strike challenges are that um, uh, the we're uh, not that I'm one to, I mean, the HRC is a bad organization. This is this is a bad organization. Uh, no, not a good organization because uh, it's been entirely uh, taken over by transphobes. But uh, and also their racial reports have been problematic and it's a real mess. Uh, the last bastion about dis disabled rights, they have made a good point. Sometimes um, an organization that 
it's best to not listen to anymore it says it says a thing that's worth paying attention to as it kind of uh, collapses in on itself and and this thing is pointing out to government that government's proposals by the way government is proposing to close all ticket offices they're currently following the close all ticket offices trajectory on their thoughts and plans uh, i've seen gbrtt documentation which says oh yeah we're closing all we, we, we are hoping and intending to close all ticket offices it's like okay cool um what do you do about people wanting to access you know um services for you know ha, ha, where do people go to to act to, to to for accessibility services you know for for being helped onto a train or speaking to someone to to get to sort of problem out yeah not not ideal so yeah the the abc association of various commuters is pointing this out um they, they've they've written a letter no action happened obviously it's getting totally ignored um not good okay let's let's change the subject and talk about um uh, Jack Elliott, yeah, they, they, they are also the ones who declared that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, but let's not go there. It's a long, complicated story. Uh, Xander saying that Talgo Locos have been ordered to go alongside uh, and the Vectron dual modes are going to be used as a stopgap for the for those um, ICLs. Interesting. Thanks, everyone. Um, any other country thinking of closing ticket office, tick offices? I don't know, actually. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Professor Richard Betts uh, is here, um, an IPCC author, um, on various bits and pieces within within the, the documentation of the IPCC. Um, Julia Hartley Brewer, everyone's favourite something, um, uh, claimed that extreme weather is not increasing, which is a hilarious thing to claim in and of itself. But uh, it's just not true. There is, if we look, we can see here that there is, basically there is not a single, so we're looking for blues, so here, if you want to look at the, there's a nice graphic here showing where there's um, uh, extremes are potentially reducing, right? So we're looking here at, um, at across the whole country here, uh, across the whole planet, sorry, uh, and we're looking at um, so this one, this one's hot extremes. Um, Professor Richard Betts publishing a paper in this. We're looking for blue hexagons for anywhere where there's been a decrease in the likelihood of of high temperature extremes. Uh, that's a zero. Um, I should have got my buzzer out for this, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah. Uh, thing is, if I play the buzzer, oh, don't listen, you don't see that. If I play the buzzer. Um, people won't. It'll be very loud. That's the only problem. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably quite loud, isn't it? Um, yeah. So uh, that's a that's a zero. So if we go here and look at um, heavy precipitation, have there been any places? We're looking for yellow. We're looking for yellow uh, on this map to see if there have been any areas where there's been a decrease in the number of there's limited data and, and low agreement in some places but we're looking for a place where there's risk, evidence to back up a decrease in uh, in extremes and, uh, and and again that's a that's a zero uh, that's that's a zero um, and if we look to um, agriculture and ecological drought it's there's a one there is a, there is we're looking for a green and there is a green here um, up here in this uh, this area which is uh, what is that northern australia northern Aust uh, yes northern australia um, here there is actually a reduction, so that's that's one. So that's so that's fine. Um, that's uh, uh, yeah, we we can uh, we can we can accept that. Lovely, um, marvelous. So um, this is so basically uh, yeah. If, as I've been saying a lot, as I'm sure you've heard me saying, like climate change leads to more extremes in in all directions, particularly for the UK with its weird. It's already got a weird climate. Um, oh, TFL. Um, the TFL deal. So, the TFL deal uh, has been reached between Sadiq Khan and the former... Da, 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 
the former um, transport uh, Secretary of State for Transport. It's not ideal. Uh, the former Secretary of State for Transport was again asking and talking about driverless trains. Um, but there's a big funding gap, and it's forcing. It's it's a it's a it's a deliberate political move to force Sadiq Khan up against the unions. It's trying to turn the unions and Sadiq Khan against each other, um, which is uh, very annoying. Um, so uh, the point being that uh, Sadiq Khan has been forced to dig into pensions. And pensions is the one thing you do not want to dig into for, for any workers, but particularly London transport workers. Do not, don't touch their pension. I've heard multiple conversations of drivers or staff talking about this stuff and overhearing, I don't really mind as long as he doesn't touch my pensions. Uh, don't touch the pensions. Uh, and that's what is being forced onto Sadiq Khan. It's a deliberate political move. Um, and uh, hopefully the unions don't hold it against Sadiq Khan. They hold it against government instead. But uh, anyway. So, um, the, the talking of TFL, uh, some good news, actually. I've, I've kept yet another dodgy TFL deal in here because part of the deal is, oh, make sure you deliver crossroads. Like, yeah, they are. What are you on about? But talking of make sure you deliver Crossrail, um, by soon, by very, very soon, uh, November the 6th, in fact, so that's a month and a bit away, uh, a month and uh, halfway through the month, month and month and a half away, um, they're going to be, um, Bond Street Station should have opened by that point. In fact, Bond Street Station is supposed to be opening in a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, we should be having Bond Street Station and, well, it's, yeah, mid-October for Bond Street, I think. But uh, November the 6th, we'll have full, full kind of almost full crossroad running. We'll have through services. So Reading Abbey Wood, um, Direct, and Shenfield Paddington, no change. So there'll be kind of more through services, which is really good. Um, so crossrail will start looking like more of a thing. It's funny that I said May 2023 for final completion uh, quite a number of years ago, and it's ended up being May 2023 for final completion. There we go, anyway. Um this is uh, this is interesting. We're going back to hydrogen trains again because uh, the Scottish hydrogen train project uh, is very much the last to leave and the first to arrive on this front because I, I think the most likely hydrogen train that's going to be, be operating in passenger service in the UK, despite this being the last one in operate, like the last one testing, I think it's going to be the first one. Um, uh, I think it's the first one um, that... Uh, that's going to actually run because Scotland are, are have set out a strategy within which they need hydrogen trains. And so I think this might be the first one. So despite the fact that it's the last one that's getting tested, because there are loads of other hydrogen trains that have been tested, obviously in, in well, three different, there are three others that have been tested before this. In fact, when I wrote a piece about hydrogen trains, I was pretty dismissive about this one because it was the last in the pile. And I said, well, it's not really anything new, um, nothing to particularly pay attention to. They're quite far behind because of the central government, you know, Westminster's lack of interest. The fact that the Scottish government has a plan means this one might start seeing service, which is funny to me. It's very funny. Uh, Gareth Williams, yes, that's uh, fully agree on what you're saying there. Um, yeah, this is so. This is funny. Anyway, uh, you can read up on it uh, on the internet. Um, Alistair Dillon's written stuff up, and you can read others. Um, other nice happy news: uh, the campaign for Northeast Rail has made some some exciting progress. They have um, succeeded in getting a load of cash to um, to fund a new feasibility study, uh, examining the proposals for. Um, new rail opening up towards um, Fraserburn Peterhead. 
or Peter Head and Fraserburgh. Uh, that's cool. That's exciting. Uh, I, I lent my voice to one of their videos as a voiceover, which um, hopefully you can probably access that on um, YouTube now. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the, you can now go and uh, support. You know, if in any way you can, go and show support. Tell your local politicians that you think this is good. So, um, yes, uh, I, I think this is, uh, this is good news. It's exciting. So the Scottish government is on it. This is a little bit throwing money to, to make people think they're doing something because the Scottish government does not want to open any more railway lines. That's still their stance. But um, a feasibility study examining the proposals is still no bad thing. Something is happening. Um, another report has been published, actually. Michelle Clark's tw tweet here, which is nice. Uh, Without Unterloch, I'd be in a care home right now. I've no doubt about that at all. That's from Rena, who's 83, commenting on her local community transport service. Um, uh, Michelle Clark points out that in one sentence, Rena uh, has summed up the importance of the incredible community transport schemes in Scotland. There is a pay there's a report that's been published, and it's a report that I'd like to do a page turn of. I think I will. Um, it's a very nice looking report, and uh, importantly, it's looking at an aspect of transport that we don't often consider. I'm generally looking at urban transport because rural transport is... Um, well, it doesn't account for a, a nearly a sizable, you know, it does not account for a huge amount of emissions, so it's not on the priority list. But it's still an important thing for us to think about. So I think this will be an interesting page turn to go through this report, actually. Um, so that's the plan. I, I expect we will go through this report. The report of the Community Transport Association. That should be interesting. Sorry, I just had to, you know, yawn there because I've been talking a lot and not and not breathing. Um, meanwhile, uh, this this report is supposedly published which is the climate emergency response group launching a new report i don't know who this group is i don't know i don't know where that what their background is in um they do have a viable website uh they're saying practical immediate actions that scottish government must take to avoid devastating consequences of climate change so you know that seems like their heart's in the right place go to the website and uh they haven't published this report that they said they have because you can't get it so a bit of a weird one folks uh, if anyone has any, any information about the Climate Emergency Response Group um, in Scotland, then uh, let me know. Uh, are they just... What are they? They're funded by the William Grant Foundation. Uh, it all looks a little bit sus. So I'm curious to have more information. Um, do let me know. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's enjoy this, shall we? You incorrectly told your viewers there's only one train running from Manchester to London. I think that's not, that's not the case even under the reduced timetable. It's four trains an hour. A direct train? Direct trains, yeah. There's only one an hour at the moment. Uh, well, all I can tell you is there are still trains running down the West Coast uh, main line. The strikes do not uh, enhance the situation. And well, let's not get. But I mean, uh, I think we're getting bogged down running. in a, a Tomorrow, detail there here. Won't be trains running. We're getting bogged down in a detail here, but I think it matters actually. There is only one direct train an hour between London and Manchester at the moment. When you're saying are direct, you saying are you I'm saying right? trains is that, that right don't stop wrong? at any other? Watch him uh, try and you say, work When you say direct, you, are you saying trains that stop at no other stations? Uh, because most yeah. trains stop at Milton Keynes a lot. This, by the way, is why I try and discourage PR people around railways from trying to pick up on little lines that sound clever, like this is the first X, Y, Z, X, 1, Y, 1, Z, 1, qualifier, qualifier, qualifier thing. Like, first of or only of or, you know, big identifiers like this are not hugely useful. So, uh, and they, they fall into the sort of trap that Grant is trying to fall into here, which is capturing, uh, you know, capturing, anyway, notice that he's got his, uh, notice this little Great British Railways report. Yes, well, they've always done I'm that. not quite clear on your definition. They've... The little Great British Railways report behind him, anyway. 
They've always done it. There's never been a train that's gone directly from London, yeah. Houston to so Manchester not the Piccadilly. Case, that's never been the case. strike days, which I think is where you may be getting confused here, uh, that's not the case. There has recently been an issue where Aslift called for action short of a strike, and three days later there was a 90% reduction in train drivers available to drive that route. Uh, clearly that that coordinated unofficial action by Aslift. Uh, meaning that there aren't trains available. Uh, under that reduced timetable, it went down to four trains uh, an hour. Well, I suspect we'll, we're both going to go and check our timetables to see uh, exactly when the trains are available over the next uh, few weeks or so. So um, they should have drilled down into it further. This is why it's really important to have a super well-briefed journalist to just skewer the sort of nonsense that uh, our special boy here, Grant Shapps, was uh, spewing. Um, is this his Grant Shapps for leader thing in the background? Uh, is that is that there or is it? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, yeah, he lied and kind of got called out for it, and you could see him squirming. He's a little worm, isn't he? Um, kind of moving on from that. There's not really much to say other than all of what he just said, and everyone had to listen to was rubbish. So uh, yeah, don't 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 heed anything that Shafts was on about because the Avanti system, you know, Avanti's service has just collapsed. It's just totally collapsed. It's unreliable to the point where they're actually having to draft in. Brexit horror himself, Jeremy Hosking, to run timetabled services with his charter trains, which, if it wasn't him running the trains, I'd love because they're intercity branded, swallow livery trains, which is great. Except, like, also he's running the Brexit Express, well, Express HST, I think, up the West Coast mainland as well. Except that um, he's a hateful man. He funds fascism. So, nah, I don't feel it's. I don't feel very comfortable with the fact that he's now got a free pass. Also, as a Tory donor. Uh, he's now got a massive free pass to just run, you know, to, to carry passengers, and those passengers won't realise. I, I, I find that deeply problematic. Uh, but yeah, Vant is having a very bad time. But they did pay their shareholders eleven and a half million. Um, so you know, swings and roundabouts. Eleven and a half million is not that much money. Um, and, and but I think this play. The issue is that no matter how much money it is or isn't, you know, we're in the situation where the um, the the energy industry, the, the, the gas and electricity industry, is making, what is it, £170 billion of profits, um, excess profits, like just, just making cash, just creaming off an industry where people are, you know, while the, industry, while the, the country is collapsing as a result of the, the increased cost of energy. So um, I think this rhetoric, I, I think there's an incredible surge in people being very unhappy with the idea of public services having any profit involved in them whatsoever. Real nationalisation, ignore the fact that nationalisation is a daft thing to just shout about. It doesn't solve anything particularly. But nationalisation has always been a very popular... It's always had popular support. Like The majority of people support a publicly owned railway. So it's always been done in spite of the public rather than because of the public's interest. And I think in, the, you know, the energy, this, this cost of living crisis is only reinforcing that. So it, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to continue to have a profit-making... Um, uh, a profit-making train operating uh, kind of uh, franchise or concession system. Uh, not least is the fact that because they don't make much money, you know, talks may not make much, they do not make much, and they're leaving. So um, uh, Abellio, uh, the, the Dutch state railway, has just quit all UK rail and bus operations. They're, they're off. They're out of there. Uh, goodbye, UK. Cheerio. Um, uh, it's a little management out so it's going to become some internal company some uk company but um yeah that's it abelio are gone i wouldn't be surprised if Ariva kind of considering doing the same thing um yeah very interesting um meanwhile 
Uh, talking of things that Shaps is doing absolutely nothing to help, um, RIP Shaps. Uh, the uh, the integrated rail plans lead study uh, is still not started. There's lots. Of, there's kind of been a bit of discussion about it. Rob Hackman here talking. Uh, Hackman um, talking about it here um, about the fact that uh, TFN have said well that, that report is going to take at least eighteen months, more like two years if not more. Um, and and obviously that report will just any report that's actually sent. We know what we know how it works. We know how it gets to leads by doing the thing that we just spent fifteen years planning. That's how you do that. Um, so yeah, um, uh, just 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 do lolly stuff, really. Uh, oh yeah, Rishi Sunak. Do you remember him? Uh, yeah, no, dude, uh, Rishi Sunak. What what happened to him? Uh, anyway, here he, here he is saying, um, as Chancellor, I introduced the largest cut to fuel duty in a generation. Um, and then underneath that is a quote saying, "We need to stop making life difficult for the vast majority of people across the UK who rely on a car as their primary source of transport." You 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 haven't been. Fuel duty has been frozen since 2011, or 2010 even. Uh, wh wh where has life been made difficult for, for car users? What? What? I will go further so that we stop the war on motorists once and for all. I mean, this is remarkable stuff. Um, just what? 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 What earth? What? Where's he gone? Where, where, where's he gone anyway? Because because uh, obviously, yeah, he's, he's, he's off the case. He's gone. We have no... We don't have to worry about it. He had to change his, his profile from uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer to just some MP. That's a shame for him, isn't it? What, what a shame for Rishi Sunak. Good riddance. Um, but the, uh, yeah, the war motorists absolutely does not exist uh, at all. So... Uh, bro Brindley Heaven was uh, pointing out some interesting points, which is that the Oxford-Cambridge Arc highway has been scrapped. Um, East-West Rail, Bedford to Cambridge, looks like it's being put in deep freeze, if not being fully cancelled. Or at least that's what Shafts was going on about. Um, I dare say he was being put under pressure from Treasury on that one. But Bedford to Cambridge, uh, instead of... Uh, so Bedford to Cambridge, East-West Rail, put on the back burner. Bedford to Cambridge... Road is uh, getting the go ahead. Um, Brindley is pointing out a very key thing that we have to pay attention to: is everyone pay attention to the Ca Bedford Cambridge Road because if the railway gets cancelled and the road goes ahead, that is obscene, right? So we all have to pay attention to that. Um, talking of which, here's Greens for HS2. Hello, Greens for HS2. I'm wearing your T-shirt. Um, a new underground train station in Manchester, which would link trains directly from HS2 through to Bradford and Leeds, is too expensive, according to the Treasury. But £1.4 for a roundabout is not in a climate emergency. Yeah, yeah, it's Black Cat again. It's the Black Cat um, A1 upgrades and associated road upgrades around it. But it is essentially £1.4 for a roundabout. Absolutely bonkers. So, yeah, don't just... any Whenever this discussion about... Uh, about money and about oh we can't afford this we can't afford that remember it's an active active political choices are being made here about who they want to be basically it's 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 port barrel politics they're working at they're making a, a consideration of which thing is most likely to result in the most conservative party votes and then they do that thing um do you remember last last time we had a news episode, which was only about a month ago, um, we were talking about the Jet Zero strategy, which we're not going to flick through because there's nothing of any value in there whatsoever. Um, Aviation is a hilarious industry. So, so first off the back of that, um, Sarah Wilson wrote a really nice piece in a big issue, um, uh, going through what the airlines responded with um, 
about uh, what people can do about the climate crisis. And the response is, I'm not going to go through any of them here, but it's things like, well, people should have, to, you know, you shouldn't reduce the flights because then people won't know about personal responsibility. You want, we, want, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't increase the prices because then people, it's just all this sort of like, no, no, we have to keep being able to burn the fuel and, and fly the people around. We have to keep doing that. We have to not be limited at all in what we do. Um, so that's quite funny. Um, what's also quite funny is this Bloomberg opinion piece, which appears to have been written by a private jet. Um, after a summer of drought and record heatwaves, some politicians in France are demanding a ban on private jets. Um, and then the, the, the so that's the that's the, the little like intro Twitter thing on the Twitter thread. But the headline of the piece is cancel private jets. Here's a better idea. I can confirm to you that the better idea is to marginally increase the cost of uh, those flights. Um and, and the, the piece is hilarious. It says, you know, OK, so increasing the cost might not stop the billionaires from flying, but that money at least can be put to a good use. Like, so no, 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 no. That's why you need to ban the flights, because the rich people will always do the thing because they're rich. That's why you have to do the punitive measures so that they can't do the damaging thing. Um, uh, just hand grenade all business jets just hand grenade them all blow them all up destroy them all uh just just put them all through a tour do that thing like they did to the nimrods where you just get like a jcb in and smash them up um uh put the private jet ma manufacturers out of business all that sort of thing good stuff uh flatten it there's other things those skilled people can go and do um uh so uh yes not 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 uh it's aviation it's a hilarious industry very funny um it's just it's just bonkers uh self-sustaining Oh, right. Back to strikes. UK rail strikes. Uh, the latest. This has gone on. Oh, crikey. It's 1949. Well, I thought it would. Uh, to be honest, the bit, the whole the whole point of the episode thing will only take about 10 minutes to discuss anyway. Um, no pay rise for striking rail staff, insists government. This is private eye. But the highest paid executive board member at the DFT saw their pay jump by around 12% to £190,000 last year. Wowza. That's a, that's a tasty little pay package right there. Whew, crikey. Um, so, yeah, that's private eye. Uh, Private Eye is interesting because it's a basically a liberal magazine. So if they're kind of being pro-strike, that's indicative of, of, of a kind of public mood among the kind of the 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 chattering, uh, kind of maybe soft Tory leaning, uh, you know, Lib Dem leaning classes. Um, here's Aaron Bastani pointing out um, the, the the data, actually YouGov data, which is you know, uh, say what you will about YouGov, uh, pointing breaking down the support for strikes, which is. Um, support for strikes is okay. So ignore the top one because that's all of them merged together. So ignore that one. Um, other than the sixty-five plus bracket, everyone is supportive of strikes. Eighteen to twenty-four, fifty percent or forty-nine percent supportive. Twenty-five to forty-nine, um, forty-five versus thirty-four uh, support versus oppose. And fifty to sixty-four, forty-four versus forty-one percent support rather than oppose. So. That bracket there, the majority, a, a sizable, oh, was a bit weird, a, a sizable majority of uh, of people are supportive of the strikes, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, um, government doesn't like that, uh, and uh, yes, it's had a, a bit of blessed relief about about that, uh, but I'm hoping that um, there should be a over the last, kind of this this next kind of few days, there should be a, a, a bolstering of, of the case for for striking by how much kind of um, 
rail trans kind of rail industry uh, workers step up when they need to. Talking about strikes, uh, some rail strikes happening over in the US as well. Um, we just heard about some in the Netherlands, but there's some in the US uh, about to happen. Lots of people um, balloting, successfully balloting for strikes. Um, and we're going to hear all about, uh, well, more on that later, shall we say, but we'll be hearing more about uh, the state of the US railroads uh, next week. Um, oh, it's, I'm jumping around a lot because there's a few different topics to, to pick up. Oh, Eurostar. Um, Eurostar winds me up. There's so many excellent people that work at Eurostar. All your Twitter faves are, uh, who work at Eurostar and are, work on, are, are dedicated, wonderful staff. You know, lots of time for them. They're, they're, they're good fun. And I'm, I'm looking forward to actually traveling on a Eurostar train when, when one of them is <laughs> on the train so I can say hello. Um, however, Eurostar has managed horribly. Uh, part of that is by the way that it was created and it's difficult for them to shuffle out of it. But a lot of it is the management style. They treat it like an airline. It is not an airline. It is a rail service. Stop treating it like an airline. Start lobbying to get rid of the security checks that are pointless. Um, and also, why are you taking another two years before you open uh, Ashford or Ebbsfleet? Ebbsfleet and Ashford services, uh, they are not stopping for another two to three years until 2025. That's that's like nearly six years that you'll have not been running train, or you know that's certainly five years that you won't half a decade not serving those two stations in Kent, meaning people have to travel up to London before they get the train. That's wild. Why on earth are they doing that? Oh, it's just wild. We have considerable financial commitments following the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have no cash. That that that's. I mean, it's, it's again, it's a bit of a political situation because it's it's a service that's just being ignored by the UK government. They don't they don't like it. They don't like the fact that it exists. Um, the border environment's tough and post Brexit. Further complexity, yada yada yada. Um, yeah, get rid of security then. That'll help. And then you can then you can use that spare time and the spare floor space for the additional security, uh, for the additional checks. Um, I just. Yeah, it's 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 being treated like an airline, and it's not. It's a rail service, and it should be treated as it should be treated as a rail service. Um, incredibly frustrating. Um, oh, this is an interesting one, and I'm not just putting this up because it's Arcadis. Um, shout out to my employers. Hi. Um, obviously, I speak on my behalf of myself, not of them. But um, I'm not just picking it because it's Arcadis. But it's interesting. So, Solihull Council has instructed Arcadis to to develop a. A research study to to basically move the city centre, Solihull sort of centre, urban area, away from the the, the reliance on, um, yeah, basically this that sentence is an interesting one. So according to the council, increasing dependence on personally owned cars in Solihull is undermining mobility and conflicting with local policy. It's a very interesting thing for a council to say. It's fantastic. And the idea that Arcadius and TFWM, uh, Transport West Midlands, are going to do this trial of, of various bits and pieces and... Um, look to change behaviours and reduce the dependence on cars is exciting. Um, other consultancies, I haven't seen any other consultancies being doing this explicitly an anti-car thing, but maybe that dial is shifting a little bit. Are we seeing the consultancy dial shifting? I hope so, because companies like Arcadis and lots of others uh, still bring in a huge income from saying yes to and taking on work delivering motorways and dual carriageways. So, um, you know, highway work is still prestigious and considered as such and a lot of people work in it and there's not a huge effort to shift government away from that you know there's not a lot of lobbying going on to say actually you know what less of that 
we can we are those those skilled highways people can work on other highways projects like the conversion of roads to you know diversion of roads to more to more bus sort of dedicated bus infrastructure or, or active travel infrastructure um another thing of dial shifting is is the electrification dial shifting in england so wales and scotland are kind of having their own slightly weird approaches to electrification but at least they are looking to the future and doing something england ain't uh, okay, yeah, Transpennine has said wires, fine, but the, the general attitude is, is not so... But however, Network Rail have been bold enough to, to actually look into a plan to decarbonise the, the western route, the, the, the whole area that uh, kind of, not just GWI that run, but, you know, cross-country and all sorts. Um, and they've kind of split it into five tranches, which is interesting. Um, and this was published in Modern Railways. I don't... This, thanks to Gary for... for uh, friend of the show for, for kind of posting this on Twitter, then I nicked it off him. But it's interesting to sort of look at those tranches and see where different lines sit and the priorities. Tranche zero being um, Acton to Wilsdon, Temple Meads to Parkway, obviously, um, Chippenham East to, to Temple Meads, and then Didcot Oxford. So all the stuff that got cancelled out of GWEP should be put back into it again. Interesting that tranche two is Bristol Exeter. That is quite interesting. So some interesting stuff, and Somerset quarries as well. So there's an, an acknowledgement, this, this process has acknowledged the need for freight. Uh, Future Rail are coming up looking at electrification in um, in the north, actually, in the prioritisation. Graham Harris is asking whether I agree with the tranche priority. Um, I don't know. I've not looked at this in detail. I'd, I, I'm, I'm less fussed about me agreeing or disagreeing necessarily. I, I, if someone put the work in, then there has been some consensus on this and I'm willing to trust the people who've, who've got that consensus. If Network Rail is a, a, a Western as a as a route, have got that buy-in. Then uh, who am I to challenge that? Like, fine, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I, I, that, that looks sensible enough to me. Other people might disagree, but no, there's, there's there is a consensus and a political consensus, it, it, at least internally within Network Rail, that's, that's uh, enabled that. So uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, direct did cut Oxford trains, yes, but they're not electric. Um, because Oxford, it, it, the railway ain't electrified to Didcot, uh, from Didcot to Oxford. Um, the bigger problem is, uh, and, and a lot of our current challenges in terms of um, cost of living crisis are related to this, is that Britain is hopeless at building anything. We just refuse to do any big infrastructure. And part of that is because of the, the way that we followed a kind of a weird hyper neoliberal path uh, in the vein of the US that also can't really deliver big infrastructure. Um, so Mike Bird has written an interesting piece, The Economist, saying that uh, Britain has not built a reservoir since 1991, We've finished a new nuclear power station since 1995, um, HS2 is the first new line connecting big cities since the 19th century, um, and this just means slower economic growth. It's not rocket science. Everyone's like, oh, Britain's got productivity growth and oh, some challenges, but um, yeah, and no one ever goes, hey, it's because we can't build anything. Well, there has been a bit of a response to this, slow and steady and misdirected, which is that government is attempting to fast-track planning um, to speed up major infrastructure projects. Okay, fine. There's a lot of work that needs to go into to streamlining this, and there's work that I'm doing as part of the that I hope to do as part of some various sort of groups within Parliament to sort of look at the way that this can be accelerated. But um, it's claiming projects being essential for net zero include major road building. Drax Bioenergy and uh, the second runway at Gatwick. So, yeah, abuse of power. This is the challenge with streamlining is that the powers can be abused, which is, uh, yeah, not good. Um, and off the back of that, you know, it kind of there's this bigger attitude of the fact that people in Britain just have this view of, of, of how much space you've got for, invest, for, for infrastructure. Um, as has happened with this discussion about solar power, like, okay, yeah, we need to put more solar panels on roofs of buildings, absolutely. Absolutely. But also we should be installing solar power, 
you know, solar, you know, putting out solar farms because there's the space for it. There is the space for it. Um, for starters, start closing golf courses and and covering those in in PVs. This, this is an interesting graphic here. Here's one percent of of um, the total UK land mass. Within that one percent fit, uh, in 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 yellow here at the bottom are the current solar panels, which is not a huge amount. What is that? Uh, that's ten percent of one percent. Nearly twenty percent of one percent is um is future is the potential for future solar. So that's potential for future solar. And twenty percent of that um one percent is airports. There's massive amount of land used for airports. And uh oh lo and behold, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, fifty percent of that one percent. So 0.5% of UK landmass is used up by golf courses. So yeah, until the golf courses start disappearing, we don't have a land we don't have a land use uh, challenge for things like solar. Um, yes, developers need to favour rubbish, not fertile land, but start buying golf courses and just pay the golf course people off and just put people who golf people who want to play golf can play golf on the on the Wii and they can just admit that they want to go for a walk and just go for a nice walk instead. You can do the golf stuff on the Wii, um, but you don't. We don't need this many golf courses, folks. Um, there are so many golf courses, and they should be houses or or, or solar power plants. Let, let's get on with it. Um, right, all of that discussion. It's already eight o'clock. We've hammered through the news. Um, we'll have a little discussion about uh, what's next. Let's let's have a, a brief moment, a very brief moment, to talk about um, to talk about Ukraine actually, and talk about this. It's a thread that was posted by Alexander Kamishin, um, uh, who. I mean, it is a kind of a dramatically word. I, I, I would hope that he doesn't think he's failed. Um, um, but they've done, they're just talking about the incredible infrastructure work they've been doing to um, to get to um, to get to get trains running through to uh, a kind of a retaken. They're saying recently retaken town B. I wonder if it is him. But they're, they're, they're kind of fair, various amounts of infrastructure work going on um, there to kind of um, uh, yeah, basically to um, to go through and find to, to go through identify um the things like oily mass that have been knocked down and uh and what else like um uh, uh yeah like what what else going on things like um i'm editing on the fly by the way just in case you haven't realized i'm doing two things at once um why am i doing two things at once um uh, for various reasons um uh, don't mind me making loud noises uh that's fine um I'm um, having very loud screaming noises coming from the computer. Don't worry about this this strange critical um, critical sort of noise coming. Um, I, we're just going to move on from that. Um, so, uh, yeah, lovely. Oh, never edit on the fly, folks. When you have an epiphany midway through, um, don't edit on the fly. It doesn't work. Anyway, it's a worthwhile thread going through because it's quite interesting just to see sort of the pressures that are on the railways. And just like the rail effort is spectacular. It made me think another thing, which is that Ukraine really needs to just change everything to standard gauge. Um, much as I'd like to have, you know, if they're going to face, you know, westwards rather than eastwards, then my suggestion would be that it would be an absolutely worthwhile project to um, put everything to standard gauge. Uh, they've got bigger fish to fry, but the EU should entirely fund that. You know, a, a, a total regauging project, start with main lines and just totally correct the. Um, uh, just totally correct the whole network into to standard gauge because 
Uh, Russia ain't bringing its trains in with, with you're bearing in mind Russian army entirely relies on trains for its logistics or, or you're 90% relies on trains for its logistics um, they're stumped if you correct everything to standard gauge so um, that'll be good uh, Microsoft is heckling me, yeah I agree anyway, right Oh, that's so um, 35 minutes after I said I would get to it we're going to talk about UK Rail, it's, we're going to do it we're going to do it, oh my goodness uh, their current gauge is Russian gauge just in case anyone was wondering that is their current gauge um Ah, oh, our special boy. Here's Patillo clearly feeling sad for him because um I think you know it's uh it's it's that that special moment where um <laughs> Oh dear me. He's gone. Our special boy has gone. Chaps is gone. Woo yeah. He's he's left. Uh I've been lining up my gamer horns there beautifully. Um he's gone. He's, he's gone. We've lost Shats, our special boy. Uh, we're going to follow him very closely to see what he's doing in his life. But everything that he has done um, that's been dreadful, like most of, pretty much everything he's done has been dreadful, um, he's going. Which then calls something into question because he put his name against the Williams Rail, the results of the Williams Rail Review. He put his name against it. He made it about himself. He turned it into his own vanity project. So that's the creation of Great British Railways, which begs the question, what's going to happen to Great British Railways now that we have a new Transport Secretary? Um, Anne-Marie Trevelyan, uh, MP, right honourable, is now the Secretary of State for Transport. Um, that's that's an issue for a number of reasons. Firstly, Anne-Marie Trevelyan is a climate denier. Uh, that ain't good. Um, she's from the northeast, so potentially that maybe is a, a useful, favourable thing. Uh, 1P45, uh, yes, quite grim. Uh, that's maybe favourable because she might understand the challenges of, of, of rail infrastructure towards maybe the Midlands, but actually the, the rail service is pretty decent down to the to the to, to King's Cross, so she may be blissfully unaware. Um, yeah, mixed bag in terms of voting record, um, in terms of transport, like yeah, not said much on HS two, certainly not recently. I. Another factor. So other factor. I'm going to open this out to a kind of a bit of a discussion. So on your thoughts, um, uh, Dora Hair ninety three doesn't agree with my re Ukraine regaging thing. Uh, no, uh, Iberia should regage. No, Iberia doesn't need to regage. But if 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 the quickest way for the, for Ukraine to close the door to Russia is for them to regage all of their railways to standard gauge, because then no Russian trains can run on them. Um, there's also Liz Truss here being expertly photographed with by the weird i mean the photo is focused on her nose the ring binders rings and the glass of water which makes the glass of water look photoshopped in which is really strange um obviously she had a big photo shoot because liz truss is all about photo shoots. we're going to move from uh, government by press release to government exclusively by photo shoot which is which is fab anyway yeah uh, liz truss is, is a prime minister i mean obviously there's this piece which we know is rubbish she was lying about the building northern Paris rail thing but what's interesting is if she then has to get held to it, is what that then looks like. Um, so that's you know that's an interesting factor as well. Uh, what what is what is that outcome? Is that is that good? But at the same time, you know, bearing in mind that Liz Truss is 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 not a bright person, so she's going to have her strings pulled by well maybe not by this idiot because he's also not a bright person. But Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is now by the way the the has now been given a real government role. And at the at a time of an energy crisis, he's been given the role of Minister for uh, Secretary of State for Climate Change for Energy and Climate Change, which is 
mind explosion meme because oh my goodness just what on earth of a kind of an appointment is that um just staggering there's greenpeace coming in and, and doing a nice tweet saying worst possible moment yeah absolutely um so bearing in mind a lot of vampires remain with their teeth sunk into government um also this is an interesting bit of graphic here that i think is well worth absolutely well worth um, having a look through. So this goes through all the various government departments and it looks at the difference. So this is about um, this is membership of UK advisory groups. So this is talking about groups that people within those these departments meet with. Um, and the kind of the rule is like um, on, a, on a quarterly basis. Uh, so consistent groups that are met, attended on, on an at least quarterly basis, which are listed on UK.gov as groups. Um, uh, there's... Da, 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 da. Uh, this is like, yeah, meetings, yeah, ministers declaring holding these meetings with consistently with groups. So who are these groups? So the social sector, uh, levelling up, quite major presence, DCMS, like culture, media, sport, yes, education, yes, DEFRA, a bit. But then out below below um, uh, housing and social, no, health and social care, so the, the, the Department for Health, um, we're down below 10% of, of social sector. The big dark colour there is private sector and you can see um uh dit uh is huge private sector input which is frightening Bayes, maybe as you might expect huge private sector input possibly the most worrying is that her majesty's treasury um you can see where i'm going with this which has obviously is the most uh basically has control of government you know, probably about 3% social sector input, uh, probably around 5% uh, public sector, 5% research and think tanks, maybe 5% associations and unions. Uh, also notice how much union input there is into the DFT. Uh, hello, no wonder you've got so many problems. Uh, and then another 5% of, of a, a, a other, whatever that is. That means that 70% of advisory groups into df into into treasury are private sector um so yeah uh that's not good folks that's really not a healthy situation to be it, it, it's not a, not the whole fact the, re, the whole reason why treasury is a problem but it's a factor in the fact that treasury is a problem so um yeah so not only do we have uh people like reese mogg actually now genuinely having a hand on the lever of power um but also, uh, the you know the, 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 we have not changed Treasury. Treasury is still the same old Treasury. So the likelihood that Treasury are going to change tack on any rail stuff is zero. I think what's going to happen. Let's go big face, shall we? To to end this episode, let's go big face because I'm I'm, I'm going to be rolling this up in about five minutes. Hello everyone. Hello hello. Um, what do I think this means for transport in um, like what what do I think this means for for, for Great British Railways? <sighs> Firstly, let's raise a drink to Shats. Chad for now. Mm. I think what we're going to see is a downplaying of the role of GBR. We're going to see GBR becoming a department of a, a part of the DFT. I don't think we'll see... GBR is not going to become an autonomous body. Um, there's already discussions happening within GBR about retaining Schedule 4, Schedule 8 costs. Um why on earth, if we're going to have an independent, you know, if we're going to have a, a unified, vertically integrated system, why are Schedule 4 and Schedule 8 costs being retained? So, 
and prepare to see GBR get diluted into nothing. And what that means is that we're going to see no resolution to all of the challenges we've had as an industry since 2018 and before. So I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I just don't think we're going to see anything other than a, an, an additional layer of bureaucracy added, which will make things worse, not better. I, I have to say, I, I'm in, I have absolutely no hope for what Treasury is going to turn GBR into. Uh, I'd be wonderful if, tra if the transition team pulled something good out of the bag. Uh, that'd be great. And I really hope they'd manage to. But I think that, that what was an uphill struggle for them before has now become a vertical slope uh, facing them. With with the combination of the, the government's self-inflicted cost of living crisis, because sorry, folks, it's self-inflicted. The, the war in Ukraine uh, has increased gas prices. Um, we could have got our way around that had we not structured our entire society and our entire energy industry in the way that we have um, self-inflicted. So, yeah, um, I just I, I think GBR is going to get watered down to become an extra layer of bureaucracy. I, I think to the point where I think the competition about the HQ might disappear without being mentioned again. Can you imagine that? That would be awkward, wouldn't it? I genuinely can imagine that competition might just not resurface. And if anyone does an FOI on it, they might say, ah, thanks to the pressures of the you know various things that have happened recently, uh, we, we've, we've had to delay this. The cost of living crisis has, has changed our priorities. But I can honestly see that competition just being polite, just being quietly put away. So anyway, what a depressing state of affairs. Uh, looking forward to an, a forward-thinking, happy um, rail matter at some point soon, um, but it's not going to be happening imminently. Anyway, uh, thanks for those of you who've said I, I've, I've been missing rail matter. It is now uh, up to date again on the audio only. I, I, I caught up. I didn't manage to get the uploads done for a holiday, and then I fell behind. So we have now caught up. I'll be. I'm glad to say. So um, yeah, uh, all of your favorite podcasting platforms. I'm a Spotify listener, but uh, if you listen on Audible, like a, a, an Amazon e person or or whatever the other ones are, Google Podcasts, like nobody does, then uh, you can listen to it on those mediums. Um, patreoncom slash Uh Patreon is apparently sacking everyone, but it still exists. And while it does, uh, they basically hired a load of people through the pandemic to try and make everyone use Patreon, and now they're sacking them again, which is kind of like basically the whole tech industry at the moment is just sacking everyone. Um, because money is real again. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis still exists. And I, um, for various life reasons, I, I can promise you that every penny is welcome. Uh, you're, you're all going through a tough time as well. Um, so uh, I seriously and genuinely appreciate every every little, um, every pound that you give is, is incredibly appreciated. But it allows me to, it, this is this is a, a little bit of joy, hopefully for some of you, but also it's a little bit of joy for me too. So um you you are uh, the small contribution as an individual you make uh, collectively allows rail now to happen which brings a little bit of hopefully shines a bit of light into into some interesting stuff um and yeah uh, patron people uh tell me uh, do continue to make suggestions i know i've not been on the suggestions thing for a while but i i, I will be setting aside some time to go through to troll through and and, and reprioritize and, and look at the next things that people want me to cover because there's a load of suggestions that i've got in there that i need to get on top of um uh yes uh, paypal.me slash Gareth Dennis, where you can just chuck loose change at me, and the Discord is at garethdennis.co.uk slash Discord. Um, there we go. Next week, uh, hopefully live, in fact, so it, won't be, it might not be a pre-record, might be live. We are being joined by uh, the man himself, Justin Rosniak. Ros is joining us uh, of Well, There's Your Problem podcast fame, uh, and it's a bit of a follow-up, actually, to, to the last episode, episode 132, US railroads can be bad, actually. So um, that should be a lot of fun. 
um, have a nice catch up with uh, with Roz. Um, uh, lovely Roz, and we'll talk uh, a lot of it. Will be talking. He's done quite a few appearances recently, talking about the problems with the with US railroads and the, and the need for strike uh, and why the strike action in the US. And, and I, I'm genuinely really interested to hear about that. So that should be very interesting to listen to. Um, uh, someone suggested there should be a, uh, a a trains on banknotes rail natter. They did, Gareth, and uh, it, it make that suggestion. Um, uh, oh, uh, Dave is asking if a rail uh, a live rail natter is still in the cars in Cardiff. Yes, you might have noticed that the delays in that. Um, various life things have meant that that has been pushed back a bit. I'm hoping to do a before those various live uh, various life things uh, emerge on the scene. I am hoping to get one live episode in because then it's probably going to be unlikely that I'll get another live episode in for quite a while. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I'm hoping maybe early January. It won't happen before Christmas, but maybe early January when everyone's like, all the venues have absolutely nothing booked, I'll try and get something in um, in Cardiff. Hopefully in the tram shed. There's a tram shed's a venue. That'd be good to go there. Anyway, um, that's, that's for the future. Uh, let's get my large face up. Everyone, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll it up. In theory, I'm, I'm about to go and run and be at a birthday party. But I, I'm going to finish... I'm going to finish this episode up. I'm going to wave to you all. Everyone, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a, it's been a fun one. Um, I, I, try, I don't know how... I, I know there have been an increased frequency of news ones recently, but I, I enjoy the news ones. And, and people, the, by the numbers, people seem to enjoy joining them. So, um, yeah, I, I do enjoy the news. And, and if you've got... If you're, if you're one of our international correspondents, send in your local news. If you're in South America, if you're in the Far East, if you have a collection of little news from your locale, uh, send it over. I'd, I'd love to host. Uh, thanks very much to Zander Beach for, for being our international correspondent in in the German-speaking part of Europe. So um, anyway, uh, I'm going to get RSI. I'm still waving. He's waving. Uh, cheerio. <laughs> cheerio, everyone. Cheerio.